0: Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks with you to make the skies a safer place. Today, we'll be looking at airspace and air traffic control. Before we get started, I'd invite you to subscribe to this podcast on whatever listening platform you're on. This way, new podcasts are automatically downloaded to your phone, and you will be notified whenever a new podcast is uploaded. Air traffic control is something many pilots worry about. However, air traffic control is just like a game of Simon Says. The controller gives you a direction, you respond, and then follow through with that direction. There are certain things that make air traffic control much more effective and efficient. One thing I like to make sure of when contacting ATC is to make sure I don't have a long explanation. I give them my call sign, where I am, and any other required information. Even on frequencies that aren't busy, It's important to practice brevity. This way, when there's a congested frequency, you understand how to be brief and make the skies a safer place. As well as being brief, many times pilots will cut off other pilots on the radio. When switching frequencies, make sure to wait for a moment to listen to make sure no one is in the middle of a transmission or copying instructions. I usually like to give about 15 seconds to make sure that there is no one who is waiting to reply to ATC. This may be the transition between frequencies and in-route controllers, as well as controllers on the approach. Sometimes, however, it's important to get your message out fast. Oftentimes, when talking to approach controllers, they won't switch you over to the tower frequency until very late. You need to contact tower immediately to get your landing clearance. Otherwise, you may have to go around or be rerouted. Air traffic controllers are humans too, and they understand that we make mistakes. To make things as seamless as possible, make sure to write down instructions given to you by ATC. If you get the instructions right the first time, ATC won't have to make a follow-up call to correct you. This way, the frequency is more open for other aircraft. One thing I always make sure of when flying to a new destination is to make sure I'm familiar with the procedures and surrounding area. It is very helpful to tell ATC I'm over such-and-such landmark so that they have a general idea of where you are. With ADS-B and Mode-C, air traffic controllers have a better awareness of the skies but oftentimes it's difficult to distinguish between two VFR aircraft. Just like briefing an IFR approach, it's important to brief a VFR approach to an airport as well. Make sure you understand the airport diagram, the runways in use, and you are aware of all the NOTAMs that are in effect at the airport and surrounding the area. As I said before, controllers are people too. Make sure to add a personal touch in your communications. A simple thank you or good morning is a great way to initiate or end contact with one controller. ATC often seems very scary, but it is also a very routine process. Things are always the same, or at least they should be, when using standard phraseology. Try to remove any unstandard phraseology from your language. One slang term which many pilots frequently use, which irritates me, is in the box. I am no hero of always using standard phraseology. I too make mistakes on the radio and do things I shouldn't. However, for some reason, in the box, instead of squawk, which really irritates me. Although I've never run into a problem with it myself, where controllers get upset about it, I have taken the time to remove it from the phraseology which I use. There's a time and a place for unstandard phraseology. I usually gauge off what the controller is using and use that to reply to them. For example, if a controller gives me an altitude of 6,500, I'll reply with 6,500. However, if the controller tells me to fly at 6,500 feet, I'll just reply with 6500. A more common example of this, however, is when controllers are giving altitudes above 10,000 feet. Many controllers will just say, aircraft 12345, fly at 15,000 feet. In this case, I would reply, maintain 15,000 feet. However, if a controller gives me an altitude saying, aircraft 12345, fly at 15,000 feet, I would then reply with Maintain 15,000 feet for Aircraft 12345. I like to compare this to shortening your call sign. If a controller feels comfortable, they can shorten your call sign, instead of Aircraft 12345, to just 345. As a pilot, you can only shorten your call sign if the controller does so first. I like to apply this mentality to all radio communications. One way to be best informed about radio communications is to read the regulations. The AIM is a much more user-friendly guide than the FAR. You can find Radio Communications in Section 2, Chapter 4. It is not a long section, but it offers proper phraseology, as well as common phraseology that is seen in the United States. The best way to get better at something is to practice, practice, practice. With renting an aircraft costing upwards of $100 an hour, practicing in the aircraft is not always an option. There are two ways which I have used to practice in the past. Which I have found extremely helpful in my aviation career. The first one is to listen to any app which provides live ATC. LiveATC.net is a great website which has frequencies from just about every airport. Using this website, you can listen to the busiest frequencies in the world and be able to pick up on what pilots do to make their communications more brief. The second way I like to practice is to actually speak it out loud. Now I have had conversations with myself in the past saying aircraft 12345 clear to land runway 21 and then I would reply as the aircraft and I would play the part of both the air traffic controller and the aircraft. While this process was effective, it's limited because I only know so much phraseology. The best way I found to practice air traffic control communications was to use the app called Plain English. Plain English is an app which has free lessons as well as a paid subscription for both VFR and IFR flight training. Plain English allows you to practice radio communications for any phase of flight, whether it be clearance, taxi, takeoff, en route, approach, or landing. Another tip I found useful is to record myself and my flight lessons. Although I could not afford an expensive GoPro, I did find the use of an audio recording cable to be useful. I simply took the cord Plugged it into the headphone jack on the airplane, and then plugged it into my phone, and was able to record all the audio from my flight. Using this audio cable, I was able to listen back to my recordings, and see where I made mistakes or where I nailed the communications. A common misunderstanding by pilots is that you have to do what ATC says, however, that is not the case. There are multiple situations in which a pilot is able to deny the clearance given by ATC. If ATC tells a pilot he's cleared to take off, but the pilot is not ready, or is worried about an aircraft on short final, he can deny the clearance and wait till the aircraft has passed or until he's ready for takeoff in order to maintain safety. One situation that seems more prevalent than most is aircraft rejecting an RNAV approach. Maintaining your GPS as current can be very expensive, so many pilots opt not to. This limits pilots to ILS approaches. If Approach clears an aircraft for an RNAV approach and they don't have an up-to-date database, the aircraft can say unable to comply and request an iOS approach. The last and most important thing about ATC communications is to make sure you aviate before you communicate. As pilot-in-command, you are responsible for the safety of your airplane. If you spend too much attention focusing on ATC communications and you stop flying the airplane safely, you must put communications on hold and make sure you can operate safely before recontacting ATC. ATC can be incredibly stressful, especially when in a crowded airspace or as an inexperienced pilot. However, if you're prepared and vigilant, ATC communications will not be a problem. If you're ever unsure of an instruction ATC gives you, make sure to ask questions. ATC is there to help you and make the skies a safer place. For our second topic today, we'll be talking about airspace. Airspace is the invisible boundaries of each controlling region and associated with each type of airspace, there are certain requirements which must be met. Class Alpha airspace is dedicated strictly for IFR flights. You must have clearance into the airspace and have all IFR equipment and ADSB out. Class Alpha airspace exists above 18,000 feet mean sea level and is not associated with any specific airport. As we get into Class Bravo, Charlie and Delta airspace, they are now associated with a controlled airport. Class Bravo airspace requires ATC clearance to enter. The required equipment must be a two-way radio, a transponder with mode C, and ADS-B. Class Bravo is the largest controlled airspace, and for VFR traffic, there must be a visibility of three statue miles and the aircraft must remain clear of clouds. VFR weather minimum can be found in 91.155 in your FAR. Certain Class Bravos can be entered by student pilots, but they must have a required endorsement from their flight instructor. Class Charlie is the second largest controlled airspace. Class Charlie airspace allows student pilots and up to enter their airspace. Although you don't have to have specific clearance to enter Class Charlie airspace, you do have to have communication with ATC. ATC must recognize your aircraft by using your full call sign. If you were to call the Class Charlie and you were to say, Madison approach aircraft one, two, three, four, five, 20 miles to the North northeast East inbound for landing with information Zulu, If ATC were to respond, aircraft calling standby, you could not enter the Class Charlie airspace. However, if ATC were to say, aircraft 12345 standby, you could now proceed into the Class Charlie because they have recognized you by stating your call sign. The weather minima for Class Charlie airspace is three statute miles visibility, 2000 feet horizontally away from clouds, 1000 feet above and 500 feet below. Many pilots will remember this as 32 and a fifth Class Delta airspace is the smallest controlled airspace. To enter a Class Delta, you must have communication with the control tower. The required equipment is only a two-way radio, and ADS-B and Mode-C are not required. Visibility, again, is the 32 and 1 as we discussed with the Class Charlie. Class Echo and Class Golf are often the most confusing airspace types. These uncontrolled airspaces have different rules for flights at night and during the day, as well as certain rules for different altitudes. Class Golf airspace extends to the ground. I like to remember G as in Golf like G as in ground. Above an airport, Class Golf goes up to 700 feet AGL, and everywhere else it extends to 1200 feet AGL. However, there are certain airports where Class Echo extends all the way to the ground. Class Echo has a greater visibility minimum. Airports in Class Golf airspace require one such mile of visibility whereas airports in class echo airspace, which goes to the surface, require three statute miles of visibility. Airspace was one of the most quizzed-upon items on my checkride. Practice airspace by using VFR sectional maps as well as quizzing yourself while in the air. Questions I often found myself asking was, what type of airspace am I in now? Is it controlled or uncontrolled? What are the weather minima for the specific type of airspace I'm in? or what equipment is required to be in this type of airspace. All this practice made the ground portion of my Czech ride fly by like a breeze. I'm Izzy Simon from Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast. Thank you for listening, and let's make the skies a safer place.